Simeon longed for a day, a day when his people would be comforted, consoled, encouraged. His longing was met with a revelation. There was one who was coming to answer his longing, the Lord's Messiah, and Simeon would not taste death until he had seen this hope embodied in human flesh. In the days between God's revelation to Simeon and his encounter with baby Jesus, we might wonder if Simeon ever questioned whether God's promise would come true. Waiting is hard, and there he was. God's promise had come to visit. Simeon responded in the only way there is to respond when God's presence has been revealed in our presence. He took that hope in his arms and praised God. Isaiah prophesied that there was one to come who would be the fulfillment of all hope. Simeon's hope had been realized, but it was not only Simeon's hope, but our hope, the hope of the world. And as he held the young Savior in his arms, Simeon declared boldly that he had seen God's salvation. This baby was light, this baby was glory, this baby was hope. Like Simeon, every journey faces the unknown, and anxiety can sometimes overwhelm us. There is too much to do, our lists are long, our calendars are filled up, we worry that something will go wrong, or we won't end up in the right place or take the right route. Getting lost is a real possibility on a journey, and yet we claim hope for the journey because we follow the one who came to us, who travels with us, and who sustains us on the way. Our hope is not just about a baby who was, our hope is in who that baby still is. So today we light the candle of blessing to remember Simeon's song of hope. Today's scripture is found in the uh, book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. These verses, which uh, seem to have been dropped into the story of the baby Jesus, are perhaps Luke's surprise and bonus for the readers. The verses tell the beautiful and moving story of a man called Simeon who is present at the dedication of baby Jesus. You can follow along uh, in your Bible or the printed bulletin. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Wish I could look as classy as Billy Bishop does. So we continue our series on singing of Christmas. We've observed and heard Mary's Magnificat, her song of joy. Zechariah's song the next week. Last week was just wonderful with the choir here and the songs of wonder. 
Christmas Eve, whether at 3 or at 5, when you are there, you will hear about uh, the song, if you will, of the, of the angels of peace. But this morning we talk about this bonus person named Simeon. Now, I'm going to spare you the video. I think every preacher in the last two years has used this video, and I think I used it about two years ago, so I'm not going to show it. But uh, in the 1960s, there was a psychologist named Walter Mischel who conducted a famous experiment. It was called the Marshmallow Test. You might remember it. There were groups of four-year-olds who were given a marshmallow, and they placed it on the table there, and they were told if they ate it, they would not get a second one, but if they could wait for 20 minutes, they would get another one. And you see some of them just agonizing over it. Some of the kids were able to wait, some could not. They replicated the test more recently, which is where we get this video. But both times, and I did not know about this until more recently, the researchers followed up on the progress of each child through adolescence. And what they found out with those who had the ability to wait were found to be more reliable, dependable, and adjustable than those who could not wait. And they also had, and this is true, they scored an average of 210 points higher on their SATs. So very interesting. Now, in spiritual life, you know, does having the ability to wait have benefits? Does it benefit you? Is it, is it beneficial for Christians? And I think there are multiple passages that verify this. Probably the best known is Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's Psalm 33, 20 and 21. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. I really like those Psalm 130, verses 5 through 7, because a very important word that works in tandem with wait and waiting is in here. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my, what do I put? I, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Indeed, it is beneficial. And there's that word hope that works in tandem with waiting which which leads us and this is a good time to ask ourselves how how good are you at waiting gosh at, at this time of the year how good are you at waiting in traffic uh, how good are you in waiting in lines at the store at the restaurants how good are you at waiting for your child to come home for the holidays from college and how good are you at waiting for them to go back to college once the holidays are over but in all seriousness, what are you waiting for? If, you were, if I were to ask you what you're waiting for, or if there's someone you are concerned about because of something they're waiting for, what would that be? You know, it could be a, a medical uh, issue. You know, they're waiting for some results. It could be a financial matter that's, that's of great importance. It could be some sort of crisis that someone is in, and they're waiting to hear a good word. 
maybe you're waiting for something just to get resolved, you know, to close the door on this, or it may be that you or someone whom you love is waiting for some door to open, to offer some kind of new route for someone to go. And as you wait, is your hope in God, which leads us to, brings us to our friend who spent decades waiting and hoping His name is Simeon. God had told him he would not die before he saw and celebrated the Messiah who would come in the form as an infant. He would not die. Now keep in mind, and I think the significance of this is it had been a dark time for the people of Israel, the children of God, if you will. There had been no known revelation of God for 400 years whether in some scriptural form or in the form of prophecy. 400 years. Now, my own take on that is we were unaware of that. People were not seeing the revelations that were all around them. But, you know, technically there had been no revelation for 400 years. So it wasn't a context for optimism. And yet, Simeon was certain that he would see the living Christ, the living Messiah in human form before he died. And he literally, he waited for decades. Can you imagine him going to the temple every day because they would bring their child, their infant son every day, different people, to be dedicated at the temple. And he would go, you know, enthusiastically to go be there and hope. And, and he had to be asking every time, is, is this the one? Is he the one? I'm sure he's praying to to God the Father, you know, is this the one? Now, it had to be incredible. Maybe this is the one. You know, let, let me, I'm going to go off on a side note for just a minute and just say, you know, we're waiting for the Messiah. And you know what? There are people in December who are waiting for the Messiah, a Messiah, maybe a Messiah that they don't even, aren't even sure exists, but they just wonder. Uh, Tom Rayner uh, with whom I did some doctoral work and, and who was uh, the head of Lifeway uh, up until recently, did some research about two years ago and found that 82% of the unchurched are likely to attend church if a friend, coworker, neighbor, or family member invites them. Think about that. More than 8 out of 10 of the unchurched said they would come to church if they were invited. You know what we've got going on tonight, which is so worth inviting people, is Behold the Lamb? Can Brookwood even have Christmas without attending Behold the Lamb? Especially because we have True Vine folks helping us this time. Can you really experience Christmas without hearing all those wonderful songs? Can you really experience Christmas with not hearing... The begat song. Can I get a witness on that? Come on. And that's tonight. I hope you can make it. Now, I'm going to do something. Okay, I know it's going to be raining. I know it's going to be cold. I want to ask, if, you're, if you are a current active deacon, will you stand for a minute? Or if you're a minister, I know we're all ministers, but, but if you're a minister on staff, stand up for just a second. Look at these people. Okay, if you're wondering, okay, uh, I don't know if I can make it tonight because it's either too cold, too dark, too wet. Look at these people. Uh, They don't know about this, but now they do. Uh, Go find one of them, and they're going to get you here one way or the other. If they can't, no, I'm serious. 
find one of these people. If you're concerned about tonight, like, I don't know if I can make it, if, or if, if you're just feeling uppity and want to get a ride because you're who you are, you know, find one of these people, I'm serious, or find one of us. And, and please come tonight. It's just so worth it. And consider bringing somebody more than, you know, more than eight out of ten. Okay, thank you. I'll sit down. More than eight out of ten. And by the way, if you invite somebody and it's one of the one and a half who says, well, I'd really rather not, that's fine. Uh, you have glorified God simply by inviting that person, and that's really what it's all about. Don't be worried about whether they say yes or no. Just know that by doing that, you're glorifying God the Father. So we've got uh, uh, Behold the Lamb. Tonight we've got the uh, uh, Christmas Eve services that you can invite someone to. So it's a chance for you to help someone find a significant moment where they realize this really might be the Messiah. Uh, Renita, who had to step out uh, because of, of, of her brother-in-law passing on. She had to leave right after doing the handbells, and she said, I just, I'm not going to make it tonight. I always love going to Behold the Lamb, but, you know, God told me this morning, you know what, you know, my brother-in-law is, I can celebrate tonight with everyone because he's beholding right now, you know, which I thought was really cool. Renita just rocks, as most of you know. Um, but this long-awaited Messiah, going back to the story, shows up. You know, Mary and Joseph come to the temple, and Simeon realizes this is the long-awaited Messiah, and it's incredible. He says, oh, sovereign God, you can take me home now. I am ready to die. I can go and rest in peace. Dismiss me now. It was a long wait, but it was worth the wait. And it's interesting, Simeon was the first to sing and prophesy that this baby was not only the Messiah of Israel, but it says of all people, not just the Jews, but Gentiles like you and me. He was the first to say that. But then there's that, oh, it, it takes that turn when he looks at Mary and says what? Your heart's going to be broken. Your heart will be pierced. And he was really preparing her for 30 years later when she would witness firsthand the execution of her oldest son. And no doubt it pierced her heart. And in a different way, let me say, you know, that should pierce us. You know, when was the last time the reality of Jesus really pierced your heart? And I mean in a good way. You know, when was the last time that the reality of this whole thing, of the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the death of Jesus, his resurrection really pierced your heart? Has this whole story, in a sense, you know, recessed a bit, uh, uh, diffused a bit, declined a bit in your heart? And it's almost become numb you know, anesthetized in a way, it can happen. And I wonder if, if in some ways we need to have our own hearts pierced based on all of what he did, all of what he faced. You know, the Bible tells us something about what kept Jesus going when he knew where all of this was taking him. He knew 
where he was going, and yet something kept him going. Something kept him joyful, actually, while he was walking around on earth in that three-year ministry. And it kept him joyful in spite of where he knew all of this was taking him. I think one way we can look at it is in that wonderful, wonderful passage in Hebrews 12. We'll just look at verse 2, though. It's some marvelous passages right around it about the great cloud of witnesses and all this. But let's just zero in on this. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Look at that phrase. For the joy. What was that joy? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep that up there and let that... Let that burn inside of you a bit. He goes on and says in verse 3, consider Jesus and what he endured so that you won't lose heart. What kept him going? When he knew the pain. I've got a bug that just came up here. How you doing? I put him down there. I already invited someone, so. But what kept him going? He knew where all of this was going to take him, but something gave him joy? With all that vulnerability, with all that sacrifice, you know, Philippians 2 where it says, you know, in spite of his divinity, you know, he emptied himself and experienced every temptation, every pain, every injustice as a human dying on the cross he was able to do it for something it says for the joy that was set before him he ran the race for some joy that was given to him that brought him joy he endured the cross it says for this joy set before him what was that joy was it a crown uh, was it a relationship with god the father was it uh, authority you know, what was it? What was it? Was it glory? Uh, the, the thing is, he already had all of that. He had all of that. He left all of it temporarily in heaven, but he still had all of that. That was part of who he was. He was still divine as well as human. He had all of that. You know, think about this. The only thing he did not have was you. The only thing he didn't have was you. You were the source of his joy as he endured the cross. Now that's mind-bending. If that doesn't pierce your heart, what's it going to take? He had everything else. My gosh, he had relationship with God the Father, the creator of all things, and he was a part of the creation himself in the, being a creator. He had the crown. You know, he had the authority. He had all of this. The only thing he didn't have was you. And it was his joy to endure all of this for you. You know, I don't know what your current struggle is. I don't know what you're waiting for these days um, but with your days that remain here on earth, you know, 
while you are still here and while you're waiting for certain things, you know, can you be a beacon of hope for other people who are waiting because of something, some, some crisis in their life, or they're trying to get something set straight, they're trying to get something resolved, they're trying to get through a difficult trial, a difficult time, can you be a sign of hope for them, an agent of hope for them, as they wait with some kind of pain and uncertainty? Can you do that in the time that remains? Uh, November 18th, uh, 1995, uh, it was the, the Lincoln Center. Anybody been to the Lincoln Center in New York? Uh, Itzhak Perlman, who's this genius uh, violinist, uh, was coming on to the stage that night, and it takes a long time for him to come on the stage. As some of you know, he suffered from polio and uh, ha always has had crutches when you see him. He has a special chair he has to sit in. He has these huge braces on both legs and it takes him a long time it's laborious for him it takes a long time just to get across the stage to get into that chair and set aside the crutches sometimes just has to drop them and then he takes off each of the braces and then he picks up his violin and then begins to do amazing things but on this particular night november 18 1995 something went wrong he began to play but something went wrong, something broke. And, uh, well, let, let's, let's let this video tell the story. he said they said it's all he said that one sentence our job is to make music with what remains powerful you know with the time that remains for you you know with the time that you have will you dare to be a beacon of hope 
for other people who are waiting in some painful way and encourage them. Let them know that the Messiah is coming and will come again, as we talked about earlier, the second Christmas. Can we have the capacity in June or July to let people know every morning is Christmas morning again? We can say that because we know that the Messiah is coming, has come, will come again, and we can wait and watch even for that second coming. And will you be able to show, let others know that it is so worth the wait? Let's pray together. And let's, let's engage in, in the discipline of meditation for just a moment. I want you to meditate upon what is it that you're waiting for in your own life right now? Like I said, it might have to do with work or something physical, medical. It, it might have to do with some relationship. It might be that you're waiting for, for this door to open, a new opportunity. It might be that you're really confused about a matter and you don't know where it's going and you just need clarity. Whatever it is that you're waiting for, will you lift that up to God right now and with words of hope, trust Him as you lift that up. And do you know someone who is going through a difficult time right now, in a time of trial, in a tr time of crisis? Can you lift up a prayer for that person who's waiting for something? And you know what it is, whatever it might be. Who comes to mind immediately? Will you lift up a silent prayer for that person? O oh Lord, our God, creator of the universe, we know, we trust. You hear every one of these silent prayers. You hear so many right now across the planet. And we know that you hear our own as we wait on something, wait for something. And as we pray for those who are waiting for something good and right and clear to come their way. So be with us now, and like Simeon, O oh God, help us to trust and hope and realize again the amazing miracle, not just of the birth of your son in this world, but that it was his joy to endure the cross on our behalf, and may that cause our hearts to burst forth with, with joy and gratitude and a sense of that surpassing peace with whatever it is we wait for. 
So be with us now as we come to a time of, of singing our commitment. We pray these things in your name. Amen.